Chapter 1, verse 12 says, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. How in the world did Paul, he got sent to prison, and he's saying, you know what? God sent me to prison so that all these prisoners could hear the gospel. That's a kingdom perspective. That didn't come from, that didn't come from him. I can't imagine, I don't know, I've never, I've never gone, been sent to prison for preaching the gospel before. But if I did, I wonder what my response would be. I, I mean, he was, he was, he was truly upset, like he wasn't happy that he was in prison, but he was saying, you know what, my life belongs to Jesus, and if God wants to send me to prison, praise God, I rejoice, because all of these people get to hear the gospel. If you jump back over to chapter 4, we'll pick up in the text. Paul writes, wrote in, in a verse 4 of chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In the book of Philippians 4 chapters, he, uses, he used the word re rejoice or joy 12 times. It's a book of joy. He's writing from prison, and he's writing to a church that persecution would have been imminent in the, in the Roman Empire. Because Christians were, were saying that Jesus was the king, not the emperor. And so they didn't like that. They, they didn't want you to say anyone else was the king. So Paul writes to them and he says, again I say rejoice, because he has already told them that like 10 or 11 times in this book. The word rejoice is kind of a word that you hear at Christmas time and you hear in the Bible, but I don't know if I've ever heard anyone in common lingo tell me to rejoice. Like, I was really rejoicing this week in, in the Lord. That's just not something that I've, you, it's nor, normal language, but it's, it's, it's nice to have Bible language. Um, the dictionary defines rejoice as to feel joy or great delight. To feel joy or great delight. Um, the notes on the ESV study Bible say, Say this, the joy that Paul calls for is not a happiness that depends on circumstances, but a deep contentment that is in the Lord based on trust in the sovereign living God and that therefore it is available always, even in difficult times. So Paul's saying, hey guys, no matter what you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. Okay, so rejoice, and he doesn't say, Philippians, rejoice. All right, move on. He says, rejoice in the Lord. As I read through the text, this whole book, everything is in, it's either in the Lord, in God, in the Spirit, 
We're reminded of Jesus. He said, you can't even do anything good with apart from me. Jesus is our source. So we can rejoice no matter what is outwardly going on if we're rejoicing in the Lord. Now, rejoice in the Lord. How can we do that? We have to notice what God's doing. Okay, so think back to Paul. He said, okay, my circumstance is I got to send to prison and I'm sure he was pretty upset about it because he had work to do. He's like, man, this is a bummer. I'm in prison right now. But he said, okay, um, Lord, help me to see what you're doing in my circumstance that's really difficult right now. Oh, okay, I'm supposed to share the gospel to these people because that's my mission here on earth while I'm still alive. I'm supposed to share the gospel. Okay, well, praise God that I got sent to prison because now all these people, not only the prisoners, the whole imperial guard got saved. I don't know how many got saved, but Paul was a pretty powerful man in the spirit. A lot of people got saved because of his imprisonment. So he noticed what the Lord was doing. He said, Lord, what are you doing? And you and I, wherever you find yourself, wherever I find myself this week, we need to say, okay, Lord, what are you doing today? What are you doing in my life today? What are you doing in my children, in my wife, in my family today? All right, I go to work. All right, Lord, who are you sending me to talk to today? Who am I supposed to encourage? Who am I supposed to pray for? Who am I supposed to share the gospel with? Okay, and then the Lord will reveal something to you. You have this conversation with someone. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, supposed, to, I'm, I'm supposed to talk to this person. I, I found myself at, we were, we were at the um, conf, pastor's conference last week at Shades Mountain Church in Birmingham. We had a great, fantastic time. Um, Pastor Robert did an amazing job facilitating that. It was, a, it, was, it was such a fun experience. The choir sang, joined in their choir. It was a lot of fun. But you know, Pastor Robert has coined the phrase, no chance meetings. I'm sure you've heard him say that. It's one of the biggest things that I've learned from him. And it's, it's just the idea that God, God is in everything and nothing happens by chance and God uses every single circumstance. And so he told us, hey guys, as you're hanging out with people, just be noticing what God's doing. If someone needs to talk to you, just try to encourage people. Like God's going to send you out. Encourage, you, know, you have no idea who God's going to lead you to talk to. Uh, so, I find myself talking to this certain person, and um, you got to understand, people talk to my wife about their what they have going on in their life, because she's very sweet, and I don't know, she just has a vibe, and people like to talk to her. We'll go to the grocery store, and people will just tell her their whole life story, and I'm like, this never happens to me, and, and it really, it doesn't happen to me. And so I'm sitting here talking to this person, and all of a sudden, we start, he starts telling me all these things that he's going through. And I'm going, Robert told me to encourage people today. Okay. And I'm going, okay, so the Lord sent me to this person to listen to him. So he told me the things that he's going through, and it's really, really difficult what he's going through. People go through really difficult things. Um, and I just listened to him, and I said, hey, man, I'm so sorry, and so I'll be praying for you today. Um, and he said, you know what, thanks for listening to me. And, but, I, but if 
Robert hadn't told me, hey, Ricky, like, who's God sending you to encourage today? I might not have had the mindset, hey, who am I supposed to encourage today? I may have dismissed that conversation because I was in a hurry to get, get going on what, what I'm doing. So the point is, look, open your eyes, open your mind. What's, what's, uh, what's God doing? Caitlin and I spent some time talking about trying to practice rejoicing in the Lord because I'm going, I've got to talk about this thing. I don't know if I, do, I'm, I don't, I got to learn how to rejoice in the Lord. So we said, hey, let's talk about like what, what is there, to, what, are, what are all the things that God's done in our lives? We started talking about all the ways that God has provided for us this year. And it was amazing. We just started rejoicing. We were just full of joy and thankfulness in the Lord. He has provided so much for us this year. And we started counting the things. Uh, particularly this week, our daughter Marie, she will be six months old um, this week. And she is, she's in that transition phase, growing out of her last size of clothes. And we were just talking about the fact that we're going to have to get some more clothes. Guess what happened? Three people this week gave us clothes. And we, and I don't know that I, I would have, oh, that was really nice. That's a blessing. Thank you so much. But Caitlin and I spent time reflecting on the fact that, hello, God's our provider. Rejoice in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He's, a, he's my provider. He takes care. And, but what if I would have not noticed that? How many times do I just blow past God's blessing um, in my life because I'm not rejoicing in the Lord? So notice Pay attention. We have to pay attention to what God's doing. All right, always. Rejoice in the Lord always. We have varying degrees of difficult life circumstances in this current room right now. Chances are you got something going on in your life that's challenging. And how does Paul write to us to rejoice always? Because it's not dependent on our external circumstances. It's dependent upon the joy we have in the Lord and noticing what God's doing and saying, thank you, Lord, that you're doing this. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing that. Help me to get involved in what you're doing. I tell you who does rejoicing in the Lord well. They, missionaries tend to rejoice in the Lord well. If you follow a missionary, if you support a missionary, if you get their emails, what they'll do is quarterly or whatever, they'll send you an update on what all the Lord's doing. Here's how many people have heard the gospel. Here's how many people have been trained. They do a good job of writing it down and, and reflecting on it. Well, what if we did the same thing in our life? What if we had a, a family meeting and we, you know, you sat with, you know, with your family and you say, what all has God done? Write it down. Oh, my goodness. The Lord has done all these things in our lives, and we just didn't even notice it. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Your translation might say gentleness. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The point is that because we are citizens of heaven, we are heaven here on the earth. So when we come into contact with another person, we represent the light and love of Jesus to them. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Paul's writing from prison. 
How do you think his attitude was towards the people that he was around? Well, they all, most of them got born again. So he must have loved them so much. He must have shown them the love and light and truth of Christ. Let your reasonableness, let your gentleness, let your love be shown to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Okay, if we look up a couple of verses in 320, just a couple, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, who I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. So, that's the perspective with which we live. We know at the end of the road, we have heaven and Christ Jesus himself, the Lord face to face waiting on us. Therefore, nothing, nothing can break us. We cannot die. We live forever. And by the way, Jesus told us to love and pray for and bless even our enemies. This is the standard for how we should live. Let your reasonableness, let your gentleness, let your love be known to everyone. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Has anyone ever come up to you when you were clearly stressed out and said, don't be stressed. Don't be anxious. How did it make you feel? You're laughing because it, it didn't make you feel less anxious. It just made you kind of probably irritated. Like, don't tell me to not be anxious right now. Like, that's not helpful. Well, Paul says don't be anxious about anything. But he doesn't just say, don't be anxious, period, move on. You can't just force yourself to not be anxious. You have to give it to the Lord. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, give it, give it to the Lord. Um, the word anxious, let's talk about that for a moment. Everybody knows what it feels like to feel anxious. Some people experience it on a more intense level. And I just want you to know, I want, us to, I want it to, to remind us that God does not want anxiety to rule our lives. And that's why he says it here. That's why he reminds us. Um, you can't force yourself out of anxiousness, and it may be a lifelong struggle for you. But God does want to set you free from a life of anxiety and give you a life of peace and joy and love in the Holy Spirit. And you might have to keep wrestling with it. You might have to keep praying and keep practicing prayer. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request. Let's talk about the word supplication. I had to look up that word in the dictionary too. It says the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. Okay, so in every, when you feel anxious, pray. You got a situation that's really scary. I know we've got some even in this room. Pray. Supplication means God, please, God, please, God, please deliver this situation. Fix it, Lord. Fix it, Lord. Sometimes all you can say is, Jesus, Jesus, I need you to fix that. That's supplication. God, if you don't fix it, you, you have to fix it right now. 
supplication. Our Father wants us to call out to Him. Um, that is prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and, and remember with an attitude of remembering all that the Lord has done for us. And there's this amazing moment when we pray. I know you guys have experienced this, but when you pray, you begin noticing all the things that God has done for you. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So instead of anxiety, we pray, and then God's peace floods us like a river. I like the word that Paul chose here, guard. Peace, who is our peace? The Holy Spirit will guard you like a soldier. So I'm here, hey, I can act all tough, but I'm really not that tough. I need the Holy Spirit to guard my mind and my heart. Now guess what? Here's here's what happens. Life comes at me. Life comes at me. Circumstances, scary, fearful. I'm anxious. I'm I'm nervous. I'm scared. And And we pray, and the Holy Spirit's like, I got you. And the Holy Spirit's a guard protecting our mind, protecting our soul, keeping us, for the heart is the wellspring of life. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence, for it's the wellspring of life. The Holy Spirit is our guard. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You may have heard someone say to you, uh, hey, just focus on the positives. Just, just be positive. Just don't, don't focus on the negatives. There, there's a little bit of truth to that. But it's, the point here is not ignore the things that are uncomfortable in your life. Just focus on the positives. Push away the, that's, that's not a healthy thing to do, or, or is it reality? The point here is, Right here in the middle of your life, Paul's in prison. He's like, hey guys, I'm not like ignoring the fact that I'm in prison and just focusing in la-la land, focusing on the positives. I'm not being, he's not making a silver lining. Paul says, I'm in prison. And uh, that's unfortunate right now to my feelings. But all these people got saved. That's lovely. That's praiseworthy. That's commendable. That's worthy uh, of, of, of praise to God. So he's saying, think about these things. As opposed to, we know what happens when we're filled with anxiety and our minds, well, we're worrying. We're just focusing on that worry, focusing on that worry. Paul's like, hey, even though things are difficult, practice thinking about things that are lovely, that are praiseworthy. Um, I, I love the word lovely. I'm using my daughter as an illustration, every single illustration, because she's like my whole, you know, life right now. And uh, she's lovely to me. And specifically, her smile is very lovely to me. And I just think about that song, just to see you smile. You know, uh, I'd do anything. And so that's, that's the kingdom of God. We have a beautiful, God has given us a beautiful family and uh, a loving, that's lovely. It's lovely. The kingdom of God is lovely. All right, guys. Number nine, verse nine. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, 
practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Do, do you think Jesus practiced, like, do you think he was, like, automatically just, like, perfect at everything? Or do you think he had to, like, work at it like we do? I think he had to work at it. He was obviously more filled with the Spirit than anyone. He was, he's, he, he was God in the flesh. But it says that he had to grow in stature and knowledge just like we do. He knows what it's like to, we have to practice. When I was little, I used to stand in front of the TV and watch Major League Baseball, and I would try to emulate their swings. So I, I played baseball growing up. And um, if you guys remember, like, Jeff Bagwell, he had a real goofy stance. And so I would, like, he was, like, like this. He was right, right down here. And he would somehow hit like that. I don't know how. And he would just hit home runs. And so I would practice. And then, like, you got Barry Bonds back in, you know, those days. And he would have this real goofy, like, hitch thing. And then he would hit a home run, like, every time when he didn't get walked. And I would just, pra- I would, like, emulate it at them. I would practice. Um, some of you guys have seen the, the show The Chosen. It's a show that um, follows the life of Jesus, and it's fantastic. The guy that plays Jesus' name is, um, his name is uh, Jonathan Rumi. And I have been amazed at his ability to play Jesus. I'm like going, how hard must that be? to act like Jesus. Like, what pressure must that be under? And then I'm going, that's literally, I'm, I'm supposed to act like Jesus. That's like, I'm not supposed to act, but the word says Im- imitate, Paul says imitate me, emulate Jesus. So when we read the text, he's like, guys, whatever is true, don't be anxious, whatever is true, think about these things. Paul says here in verse 9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Emulate the text. Just try it. And over a lifetime, we'll grow in our maturity and learn to be more and more like Jesus. So practice these things. If you're here today and you're, you're saying, ah, I'm not sure if I'm a part of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not, I'm not sure. I want to encourage you that Jesus Christ... is God who came in the flesh to this earth and he lived a sinless life. And somehow in ways that our brains cannot understand, he was crucified on a cross. And the Bible says that God placed the sins of the whole world on Jesus and he took the wrath of God, which we deserve. He died and then he was resurrected from the dead after three days And he says, the Bible tells us that anyone who would believe in Jesus would have their sins removed and their names will be written in the Lamb's book of life and they will be forever in eternity with God in heaven. So I want you to know, without a shadow of doubt, that's how you become a kingdom citizen. For those who are kingdom citizens, we just want to be encouraged today that the Holy Spirit is 100% with you and He is helping you to be the person that God's calling you to be. And uh, as we transition into a time of response, um, let's just spend a few minutes reflecting on this text and uh, the ways that 
um, we need to respond to God today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word changes us. We thank you that your word shapes us into your likeness. And right now, Lord, we give you all of our worries and we trust you with our entire lives. And Lord, instead of worry, we choose to rejoice in your kingdom. Lord, we're thankful to be a part of your great family.